Drone Tech Data AI. Innovation continues to shape and define our future, giving rise to a new breed of startups, gadgets and gizmos, changing the way we view education in its traditional form and how we live, work and consume. Welcome to The Realist Futurist, a podcast about exploring the trends in tech, gear, the changing global landscape, and a wide variety of subjects that are all things future. I am your host, Ali Sachu. Join me as we journey together, exploring what this fascinating future holds for our lifetime and beyond. Subscribe today on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The future starts now. This is episode four of The Realist Futurist. And before I begin this episode, I want to take a moment and show my appreciation to all of my listeners that have checked out the previous episodes, shown me love, and subscribed. The launch has been very successful, and I'm happy to see so many of you showing interest. I look forward to making more content for the both of us to enjoy. On that positive note, today's episode is one of my favorite pieces of tech, and one that has been evolving both in the consumer segment and in the commercial space. We're going to be talking about consumer drones today. Some of you may have heard the term UAV, which stands for Unmanned Aerial Vehicle, essentially a technical term for what we have come to know and love as drones. Because this is one of my favorite tech, I'm sure I'll be doing many more episodes honing in on some specifics of different segments and evolution of this tech. We will also have a soon-to-be-produced and released episode on the commercial side of things. However, today we will tackle the consumer segment. Personal consumer drones have taken off, literally, and I've got some numbers to prove it. But before I get into drones and features and what's happening in this space, let me tell you a quick story of how I got into drones some years ago. So picture this. I prepare the night before to charge all two batteries, because they only last 10 minutes on air, pack my Pelican case the size of a small suitcase, and inspect my propellers. I'm super excited, like a kid in a candy store, and now it's D-Day. I'm ready to go fly the drone in my neighborhood park, and I lug this massive case that's actually heavy, about 1,000 meters to the park, and set it up, which takes me a solid 20 minutes before I can fly for 10. I'm ready to go, turn the thing on, and it's so loud that everyone in the park is crowding me to check out this new bird-like toy that looks like something from a sci-fi movie. People have burning questions, but I'm just trying to learn how to fly. By the time I respond to people and tell them not to bring their kids or dogs too close to the drone, it's time to bring the bird back down. My GoPro attached to the three-axis gimbal is acting funny, so I have to reset everything and try to calibrate the drone again before I get another 10 minutes of flight time. I know, it's insane. That was only in 2014, a couple months after the brand new Phantom 2 was just revealed and upgraded to the original Phantom 1 from DJI. In comparison, today you'd put your drone down, click lift off, and in some cases, use your voice to tell it to lift off, and you're ready to go. Everything is native and no need to attach external screens or a bunch of different FPV hubs, which stands for first-person view. 
and antennas to make footage work on an external device. Everything right on your phone app. Wow, what a leap in about six years. Today's drones are so much smarter, lighter, longer battery life with technology such as obstacle avoidance, 4K video footage that is so crisp, clear, and stable that you'd think it was a shoot for a Hollywood movie out of a helicopter. If you asked me in 2014, I wouldn't have been able to predict this much advancement in this space. Breakneck speed, really, but of course, complementary tech has also evolved such as camera tech, sensor tech, and battery tech, which has all contributed to the development. This is your chicken or egg dilemma. Which came first? Did the need to improve drones lead to better sensor and battery tech? Or did the sensor and battery tech lead to better drones? Who cares? Take my money and give me a drone that can fit in my jean pocket, weighs only 100 grams, with flight times of 2 hours to last me all day, works underwater, and can fly at night. According to a report by Goldman Sachs, the expectation for the drone market between 2016 and 2020 was to be a total valuation of about $100 billion. This of course includes consumer, military, and commercial drones especially from the growing demand coming from the civil and government sector. However, could you guess what portion of that $100 billion covers the consumer side of things? Honestly, before I saw this report, I figured maybe it makes up like a couple billion at most. Because I really thought that the government, civil and military would command most of that $100 billion. But the results were pretty shocking to me. The report estimates the consumer segment to be a monstrous $17 billion. So I thought to myself, I wonder how big the digital camera market is, since most of the hype in drones has been driven by the photography and videography market, at least on the consumer side. Here's what I found. According to Grandview Research, the market size for digital cameras in 2020 is expected to be around $19.7 billion. This, in my opinion, is mind-blowing, because think about it. A product that's been around a lot longer, is much more mature, and very accessible is just a couple billion dollars more. This is what I mean by breakneck speed, and why I'm so excited about this technology. The adoption rate has been incredibly fast, and this is pushing these companies to continue to push the boundaries, to innovate, and offer us cooler features. What started as a space for hobbyists and enthusiasts that liked racing their UAVs using FPV, which again stands for first-person view, has now turned into a multi-billion dollar consumer market that's being driven by a fast-paced R&D sandbox. Speaking of R&D and innovation, I am so impressed with how DJI has been focusing on their R&D and pushing the boundaries of this technology. If you've never heard of China's high-stakes RoboWars, you have to check it out. Essentially, this has become a sport where each year students from universities all over China and all around the world meet at this two-week-long competition in Shenzhen. They meet in a massive stadium filled with fighting drones, students, and spectators. Ultimately, the idea is to innovate and for DJI to recruit the best of the best from this pool. Come on, brilliant. I love this strategy. There's a cool YouTube video on the Verges channel, and I encourage you to check it out. Audio alone won't do this justice, but here's a quick portion of that video in audio format to give you the gist of what I'm referring to. Let's give it a listen.
This is the world's biggest, most complex, and completely over-the-top student robotics competition. Over five days, students from 200 universities around China compete in front of tens of thousands of fans, while millions more watch online. The whole thing takes place inside this colossal stadium in Shenzhen, an arena that usually hosts the country's biggest rock stars. It's all being funded by Daicheng Innovation Science and Technology Company. You probably know them as DJI, or at least you know their flagship product, the now iconic Phantom Drone. The students are competing not only for cash prizes, but a chance to audition their talents for jobs at DJI. DJI, on the other hand, wants to use this competition to become the most successful robotics company in the world. This is RoboMasters. How cool is that? That is incredible. I love that strategy, and I think that's brilliant on DJI's part. Speaking of learning, education, and innovation, just like anything else, all new technology comes with its share of benefits and cons. How many of us have complained that kids today watch too much television, or uh, they're always on their iPads? But equally, I find that these kids are much smarter and learning early because of these experiences. Similarly, one major educational growth area I find that this tech has brought is exposed our very young kids to learn how to fly or even sometimes how to code and assemble their own little robots. Knowingly or unknowingly, I'm sure it's contributing to how some of these kids might find their future jobs, something I'll cover in my robotic tech episode, so make sure you're staying tuned and subscribed. There is just so much to drones that I'm certain we will cover many more episodes in the future to understand more of this tech. So as I was preparing for this episode, I found some very interesting DJI competitors along the way. Full disclosure, I've never owned anything but DJI drones and at present don't own any drones at all because of the drone flying laws in Canada. These drones honestly shocked me with some of the features they have on board, but let's look into what happened and why I no longer own a drone. The laws used to be very flexible when I first started flying, and in fact, some would argue in Canada we had more direction on what was okay and what was not from Transport Canada. As this technology significantly improved over the years with more consumers owning drones, Transport Canada had no choice but to make drone laws stricter so that flyers would be more responsible. I'm sure you've heard of incidents where a drone was flying in a no-fly zone or closer to airspace in heights that could be dangerous for pilots of passenger or commercial aircraft. There's also those flying carelessly above large crowds or impeding on people's privacy looking into their condo windows. All of this led to stricter drone laws and a bother for all of us who wanted to continue to enjoy this hobby respectfully, of course. We now have stricter rules and limitations on where and how we can fly, which is one of the reasons I had to let my drone go and haven't bought a new one. Having said that, I was very tempted to purchasing the DJI Mavic Mini. Let's start with this little guy. So the current flying laws apply to drones weighing 250 grams or above. And so DJI's response was to build one which was slightly limited in functionality, but within those parameters. This drone comes in at a Featherlight 249 grams. It has a 30 minute max flight time up to four kilometer video transmission, which is insane when I compare it to the antennas I had to buy for my first drone and would barely work when the drone was one kilometer away. To add to these features, it also comes with Vision Plus sensors for precise hovering in one place and a three axis onboard gimbal with a 2.7K camera. Wow, talk about progress in this space. Like I said earlier on this show, give me that 100 gram drone that can fly for two hours and take my money. Honestly, I don't think that's too far out. 
The Mavic Mini comes in at about 349 US dollars and that's incredibly well priced to own a flying camera with so many features. The Mavic lineup has also the Mavic Pro 2 and Mavic Air iterations and these foldable very professional drones for photography are incredibly powerful and have some resembling features to professional cameras. Think about it, photos up to 48 megapixels, video at 4K 60 frames per second, even a Hasselblad 1 inch CMOS sensor with all of them having a 30 minute flight time or above. The Mavic 2 Pro includes a 10km 1080p video transmission range and the entire lineup ranges anywhere from US$800 to US$1500. The DJI Spark is more of a selfie style drone with gestures and other camera features but slightly heavier than the Mini at above 300 grams. So this drone doesn't quite fit the no registration requirement but nevertheless is small and has some good features. If you're looking for cheaper deals, especially in the used market, this would be a good one to get since it's essentially been replaced by the Mavic Mini in my opinion. Some other honorable DJI mentions include the original Phantom line, which is now in its much later generation, but the current version is called the Phantom 4 Pro version 2.0 with a commanding one inch 20 megapixel CMOS sensor that has more than 11 stops of dynamic range and five directional obstacle avoidance sensor starting at about 1500 US dollars. And finally, I want to mention the Inspire line. This is the more commercial photography and videography style drone. This thing is not as portable, but has some incredible features, such as the 6K video footage, speeds of 94 kilometers per hour to keep up with fast action shoots, and the ability to really customize it based on your needs. This drone has been a Hollywood favorite, with many documentaries and movies shot on this professional setup. The package can start anywhere at $3,000 US, but quickly adds up if you choose the Inspire 2 Professional at almost 10,000 US dollars and the Premium and Cinema Premium coming in at 12,000 US dollars and 20,000 US dollars respectively. So that's the DJI lineup folks. Some would argue a front runner in drone tech, but I wouldn't be doing this episode justice if we didn't look at some of the competitor drones that I found during my research. I was honestly amazed at what's going on with some smaller manufacturers or even specialty ones. That dream drone that I am waiting for is very likely to come soon in this race of the best drone out there. The first one I want to mention is called Skydio. I watched a bunch of videos on this drone and the Skydio 2 when it was compared with DJI's ActiveTrack obstacle sensing technology was a clear winner. I mean it wasn't even fair, the DJI Mavic comparison didn't even stand a chance. The Skydio has a beacon-like remote that can follow you even if GPS signals are poor and the way it went through the trees and avoided very complex obstacles was very impressive. If you're looking for a drone that can follow you around and you don't necessarily want to fly it much, this would be a clear winner. The next interesting drone was from a company called Autel and the drone called the Evo. The Evo 2 coming in at about 2000 US dollars has some pretty interesting features. It's portable, a little heavier than the Mavic Air, but has a high resolution 8K sensor and claims up to 40 minutes of flight time. This little guy boasts top speeds of 72 kilometers an hour and has 12 image sensors for omnidirectional obstacle avoidance. 
The pro version of Evo 2 will set you back another $500, but will give you a 1-inch CMOS sensor and 6K camera. And the Evo 2 Dual is priced at a whopping $14,000, but includes a built-in OLED screen featuring a high-resolution 8K and thermal imaging Boson sensor. That's a quick overview on the Autil product. And finally, I'd like to touch on Parrot, which has the Anafi consumer drones. It seems to me like Parrot is trying to carve out a niche in the commercial side of things with use cases like fire, first response, and safety on the Anafi USA and Anafi thermal lines. And hence, I found fewer options on the consumer side of things from Parrot. I can imagine that it's very difficult for smaller manufacturers to keep up with the pace and competition, so this makes sense to me in terms of the direction that Parrot might be taking. We will cover some of these details on the commercial drone episode. Now, as we come to a close on this episode, I encourage you to check out the Canadian Drone Flying Rules and Drone Pilot Certification for Basic Flying and Advanced Flying on the Transport Canada website at tc.canada.ca. The basic exam is more of a written-only exam, and the advanced requires both a written component and flight testing. In the basic, you're essentially still required to only fly in non-crowded areas while keeping a 30-meter distance, but the advanced will allow you to do more commercial flights. All drones over 250 grams have to be registered, flights have to be below 400 feet, and always in line of sight. There's a few more rules, so I recommend you check out the website before flying and also read the details of the penalties because these can go as high as $3,000 for individuals and up to $15,000 for corporations. For my international listeners, I encourage you to check your local flying laws before jumping on the bandwagon to make sure you're practicing safe flights. That's a wrap for this drone episode, and I'm sure we'll be back with more drone tech and drone news to share. Consider subscribing to the show and leaving a rating and review because I would love to hear from you. Thank you again for all the positive comments. I'm really humbled by all the positivity and response from all of you. I'm on Facebook at The Realist Futurist, on Instagram at The Realist Futurist, and on my website at TheRealistFuturist.com. Thank you for using the affiliate links because they go a long way to help the show. And please fly safe and stay safe. Until next time, this is your host, Ali Sachu, signing out. <laughs>